life in the land of the ice and snow, today we're doing something a little bit different. Usually we interview expats that are living in Sweden, but today we're going to view an expat that is currently living in China. So her name is Stephanie, and she runs a podcast called Geopats, where she interviews people from all over the world who are expats in other countries. Hello, Stephanie. Nice to sort of meet you, since we're over the internet.、Uh, you're an expat, but not in Sweden. You're in China, but you are from the U.S., right? Where in the U.S. are you from? Sure.、Uh, complicated question, as it often is for expats. But the short version, which has taken me years to make shorter,、uh, oh. is born and raised. On the East Coast in New York and Pennsylvania, and then when I was 20, I moved solely by myself over to California, and then slowly worked my way up the coast: Los Angeles, San Luis Obispo, San Francisco. When I was 30, I moved overseas for the first time, and have spent the majority—not all, but the majority of my time since then—mostly in Asia, with some long. Breaks in Latin America in different countries. <laughs> I think we should cover why you moved. I mean, some people move for love and some for work. So, why did you move? You know, I、uh, I'm probably in category C or D, whichever that because a lot of people like I've heard on your on yours and other expat podcasts, people talk about being like a love refugee or those kinds of things. And I honestly originally started living overseas because I wanted to. I wasn't it wasn't enough to read about other places, and I graduated university right during the dot com crash. So going overseas with a company was just not happening. So I had to get creative on how I was going to live. Overseas, and so I just started very accidentally doing side jobs and, and things. I worked in hostels. I did some like writing or editing stuff. I would do anything to stay longer, and then I'd run out of money. Come back to the U.S., be on somebody's couch for a while, and after two rounds of that, I got very annoyed that I ran out of money. So <laughs> that's when I started teaching English, and I fell in love with the students. And there's a lot of creative, fun stuff that goes into teaching language, and so I just kind of nestled in there for about a decade. So, did you choose a certain country you were interested in at first, or were you just trying different places?、Um, well, at first, no, no. I, I wish I could tell you I was very strategic, <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, okay, seriously. The first time I went overseas as an adult after I graduated from college, I was on like all of the hostel boards, and I was looking for like casual work overseas.、And、I applied to all these hostel jobs, and I got the first job I got was in Rome, Italy, just after the euro took over in Italy, and the grocery stores were a mess because all the granny cashiers were trying to figure out how to deal with this non lira. Yeah, I, I've heard recently actually that Sweden's doing a lot with digital currency. Is that true? Yes, they are phasing out cash to the point that many stores no longer accept cash at all. It's credit cards or Swish, which is confusing for the tourist. China, it's in a similar boat, but it's not credit cards so much as it's online payments on your phone. We've got two main apps that we use for it. WeChat's one of them. It's like a social media app, and it has like a million other functions. And one of them is digital payments. Yeah, and AliPay's the other one. That's part of Alibaba, the giant, giant, giant、right. company that everybody's heard of. Yeah, and there are places that say no cash. They'll have a sign outside that's just like, no, just don't. In fact, we But- pay our rent with our phones. With, with nice,、it. yeah. They have、um, like at the farmers markets or the the wet markets or where have you. They have sellers who have like one product. They'll have one kind of vegetable or one kind of potato, and they only take the card. And、That's、beggars、so、on the streets will also have them. Just they'll just have a QR code. How did you end up in China? 
This is actually our second uh, round in China. Oh. My husband and I were here in 2010 for about a year. Uh, we were we followed a teaching job here, and uh, we were actually working for the government at that time uh, for this kind of school that it's like a foundation year program where you're teaching kids who are done with high school and they're going to go study overseas in university, but they need another year of language injection before they can. Mm -hmm. Uh, get their scores, their language scores high enough before they can get admitted to the university. So we did that uh, last time we were here. And then we went back to the U.S., did grad school, did a bunch of things, started a job that fell apart in a different country, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And we're like, okay, it's time to go back to China. <laughs> it was like, we knew there were jobs here. We knew there we could come back to the job that I'm still in right now. And so it was just like, we needed a, a we needed familiar, and Shanghai was a place that had a lot of things we liked, so we came back. And <laughs> I would think China would be an extreme culture shock, just to take writing, for example. Like, Sweden's alphabet looks the same, except it has three extra letters, but in China, it is entirely different. Honestly, China culturally was probably the easiest to adjust to in the places that we lived in Asia. Um, I, before this, to give a little context, I was in, like Taiwan was my first place in Asia and they use traditional characters, which are infinitely more complex than the ones you're talking about. Yeah. Mainland China uses a simplified version, which is a lot easier to read and see and write and all that kind of stuff. It's still super hard to say. There's lots of tones. It's complicated. So I started there. So in a way that was good because it was the harder. And then from there to Vietnam, which uses basically a Latin script with a couple similar to Swedish. I mean, grammatically, it's very different. But we were in a very teaching English bubble anyway. But you could still read the language. So that wasn't too bad. And Vietnam was amazing. And then we went to Japan, which has three or four different scripts within the language. And I'm like, okay, y'all are language crazy. <laughs> By the time we got to China, and it was the simplified script, and Shanghai especially is a really international modern city, I was like, right. oh, okay, I can do this. <laughs> How is it living in China without speaking the language? Can you get by in English? Yeah, okay. especially in... How do I put this? So there's, there's very real expat bubbles in a lot of Asian countries. It's very homogenous in a lot of the places that I'm talking about. And there's a very real place for if you're not of that culture. And it's not an insult. It's not a judgment call. It's just there's, there's this culture and then there's other people. And Shanghai, even though it's an international city, there's very real places you would go to and not go to as a, as a tourist or as an expat. And there's just places that don't really have a lot of stuff you would want. So there's a really, it's a gigantic mega city, but there's really only a few neighborhoods that have the kind of things that you would want to go to. Yeah. Uh, the formal French concession is a one which still has a predominantly French expat community, but there's a lot of other expats that live there too. Around the Bund area, which is near the water, when you because you, there's two parts to Shanghai. There's Puxi, which is where I'm living. It's on one side of the river. And Pudong mm -hmm. is the newer part on the other side of the river. And the Bund is right along the water. If you see pictures of Shanghai, you'll see the really modern futuristic buildings. That's right along the water. That's right on the Bund. There's a lot of really old-fashioned, kind of European-looking buildings along that way. It's beautiful there. It's absolutely beautiful. See, after almost three years, there you 
I've gotten into a rut where I have like favorite coffee shops or favorite neighborhoods, favorite malls, that kind of thing. Um, I spend a ridiculous amount of time in the former French concession because they have all the good grocery stores. Yes. What about the food? Do you have uh, new things that you like or things that you miss? Okay. The, I've heard you say, have this question a number of times and I was like, she's going to hate my answer when I do this. <laughs> I generally don't crave American food very much. Big exception there is, and people are going to cringe when they hear this, the Whole Foods salad bar and hot bar. Seriously, the mac and cheese, I'm not even a mac and cheese person, but the mac and cheese that Whole Foods does is mm. mind-blowing. And their salad bar and the variety of fresh, amazing stuff they have in it, I wake up some mornings and go, why isn't that here right now? London yeah. has one. Why doesn't Shanghai? This is not fair. And I understand how ridiculous it is. And when we go back to the US and we're in a city that has it, I'm like, you realize this is at least one meal a day. And my husband's like, we're good. I'm okay. <laughs> there is a lot of American food. There's a lot of international food here too. Um, so if, if I get those like burger, pizza, sandwich cravings, it's really, really, really easy to uh, take care of it. I just don't get it mm -hmm. that often. <laughs> Honestly, okay, the, the first time when my husband and I actually met, it, we're both American, different from different states, but we met in Hanoi, Vietnam at work. First time I took him to San Francisco, which is one of my homes in the US, and I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to go. We went from Vietnam, from Hanoi, Vietnam to San Francisco, and I said, I can't go wait to go down to the mission to get my favorite pho. And he looked at me and he's like, why do you want Vietnamese food? We just left <laughs> Vietnam. And I'm like, I love Asian food. I'm like, it's really good. The spring rolls are really good. And I was like, it's different than in Vietnam. It's like, it's a different kind of, you know? And he was right. like, I want a burger now. Go away. <laughs> Have you found new activities to do in your free time that uh, maybe you never did before you moved there? Uh, because of the, not just the pollution, but the weather, it rains. Uh -huh. Like Shanghai literally means on the water. Shanghai means like on the water. I joke and say it means of the water because it rains all the time. Like Seattle, keep trying. It's just, it's <laughs> ridiculous how much it rains here. And the humidity is also very high most of the year. So it's just, it's moist, Bill. I've become an inside person. Like my addiction to like reading and, and consuming content has gotten, uh, has increased because I've, I've joined a few book clubs and I'm in like a podcast brunch club and that kind of thing that exists. What are the breakfasts like there? In Shanghai, there's there's a couple of breakfast kind of crepey sandwich thingies that they do on the streets. I could send you some, some YouTube videos and things where they show them, but those people like, People are very busy. They're like running around doing a lot of things all the time. They work insane hours. So they're, they'll grab something on the, like this kind of breakfast food on the street and then they'll like eat it as they're running to work kind of thing. So there's that. Um, at home, they maybe sometimes there'd be like a congee, like a rice soup. What is congee? Congee is actually the, the Cantonese word, but like a rice porridge. There we go. Like a rice porridge ah, kind of thing. Okay happen. But a lot of people, honestly, because Shanghai is a very international city, they might also grab something from KFC. They have a breakfast menu here, which is frightening. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have friends or family that come to visit you? Uh, friends, yes. And they're generally incredibly surprised with how easy it is to, even with the language difference, how easy it is to maneuver Shanghai and how um, how much there is to do here between the, the general historical stuff, the different restaurants, and just going to the different neighborhoods and seeing the differences in the city. There's definitely 
pockets with different personalities. And with modernization, that's changing a little bit, but there's definitely a feel for each neighborhood that's really, really different from one to the next. And, and how gigantic the city is. It's like 26 yeah. million, I think, right now. It's every, everywhere is an hour. And if I get somewhere in half an hour, I'm like, what just happened? That's, that's <laughs> not possible. It's so not possible. <laughs> everywhere is an hour. It's just, yeah, it's, it's two miles. It's an hour. It's 10 miles. It's an hour. It's just an hour to get anywhere. So when you have people visit, where do you take them? Um, well, there's, because we've, lived here a while there's days when I give them a list and say here's what you need to do today and then there's uh. days when I say we're meeting you for this stuff so <laughs> so the um like they need to go to the bund the, the water area where you can see both sides of, of the city um they need to go there there's a few like markets that they'll want to buy things whether it be like fabric or tea or that kind of thing they'll want to do that there because it's kind of in the more sort of what you would view as like the traditional shops and stuff yeah. like that and again the buildings are older and it's beautiful on the days that I go with them I take them to that same area but we go to basically book street a bookstore street and it's a uh, yeah, Fujo Lu is just like wall-to-wall bookstores. And they've got international books, not just Chinese, books in Chinese. But then you also have the local shops with like the calligraphy shops and the bookbinding shops and all of the things that go into making books. And I, I sometimes wonder how long that's going to be there because the smaller shops, you know, it's, it's modern. Right. Shanghai's modernizing. They're, they are tearing down the older buildings and making sure the safer, bigger, newer ones are there. So I'm like, uh-oh, how long is this going to be here? But it's amazing to see, especially I'm really in, enamored by the, the script. And so to see the big calligraphy pencils and see people using them, I just, I could stand there for hours and be like, write that again. It's like two strokes and I'm mesmerized. I'm like, yay, do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's been so nice to have you on here and just to get a different view of what it would be like to be an expat somewhere completely different from Sweden. So thanks a lot. And everybody tune in to Stephanie's podcast. It's called Geopats, uh, about expats all over the world. So thanks and goodbye. Mm -hmm.